0: Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am thrilled to welcome my guest to the show, Who is an extremely successful B2B marketer, who also has impressive expertise across different disciplines, ranging from branding to sales and business development, and from lead generation to marketing strategy, business planning for cloud, SaaS, as well as B2B software. So Eric Quanstrom, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, I'm really happy to be here.
0: Thanks. All right. Well, you know, it's it's really great to be connected, uh, Eric, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: I can't wait to dive in.
0: All right, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get the show on the road, as they say, and uh, you know, just uh, let's start off by you know you telling um, the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure, um, pretty much a lifelong marketer, someone who definitely views my role as a chief marketing officer here at Science as a craft, and I, I see myself as a craftsman, to be perfectly honest, and that's a philosophy that I've had for quite a number of years and quite a number of CMO roles. And uh, I, I, I kind of love all of the aspects of marketing. So for your listening audience, it's uh, there's never a dull moment <laughs> in, in in my chosen profession, and hopefully yeah, something that resonates. <laughs> all
0: right, no, fantastic, and I, I and I love that description, um, the description Eric Craftsman, because it's um, it's so, it's so apt for um, the marketing profession because you know you're continuously, I guess. Honing that craft, um, you know, carving out um y- even carving out a name for yourself, if if I may say so, right?
1: Well, thank you for the compliment, but I actually think a lot of the craft piece is also around taking skills that one's developed and applying them in situations, especially new situations, as they come up. And I also kind of use the word craft largely so that it always reminds me to be ever curious about kind of my profession, about our our field, about my own career going forward, because I think those things are really important to being a good marketer.
0: Absolutely, Eric. And, you know, um, undoubtedly, um, you know, the the whole being ever curious part of some um, uh, certainly, um, for the most part, served you well throughout your career. And, um, you know, I'd be interested to know, and we're going to dive into this in a second, you know, like um, uh, how you've applied these, uh, you know, the, this mindset and this philosophy and, um, you know, in uh, short of stating the obvious, what has been an undoubtedly um, <clears throat> unconventional year. <laughs> yeah. um, talk to us um, about a recent project that you know, you're, you've been working on that's gotten you really pumped.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, we, we have this project that we're about to kind of like launch into the world mm-hmm. that is a little bit of a risk. And what it is, is we compete in a space that's heavily, heavily, heavily competitive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So two pieces of context, science.com uh, without the S, Yeah. Our, our business is, you know, top of the funnel tech enabled lead generation services. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, you know, is, is really rotates back to appointment setting. And I don't think that the world is starving for kind of the next appointment setting firm or lead generation firm um, mm-hmm. to come onto the scene. There's potentially thousands, if not tens of thousands of those companies Already. So, what we've built is kind of a buyer's journey take on our space through the lens that, frankly, is 100% biased and (laughs) disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, (laughs) Our own services. But what we did was we basically, and we called it the internal name, was the Lead Gen Mega 100. And what we did was we basically looked up 84 buying criteria that we felt mattered. In our kind of like buyer's journey, and then we ranked and scored us and ninety nine of our closest competitors across these dimensions, Mm -hmm. and so we built an entire website out of this and ninety nine pillar pages or uh, children pages off of the pillar page Mm -hmm. going forward, and so we're going to be releasing it this month um, to the world, and it I'm really interested to see the feedback that we get on. Kind of like our findings, our own research arm, um, putting wow. this kind of competitive intelligence. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, like talk about taking it to the next level. huh? It was a multi-month, uh, definitely resource intensive project mm-hmm. that <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of, again, very anxious to see what the reception looks like. Our sales team has been using this internally, yeah. pretty actively over the last few weeks. But mm-hmm. like making it public and and kind of like ripping off the kimono, yeah, bring it out to the world
0: is is a whole different story. Indeed, wow, wow, Wow. we. Sounds like exciting times ahead, and you know, as they say, uh, no rest for the wicked, right?
1: <laughs> well put.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, um, really really anxious to see that now you know now, now that you've laid it out so beautifully for us um i'm 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 excited to see what you know what the future holds in terms of um you know that 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 project and all other projects moving forward um
1: i'll make sure to send you the link it'll be at uh, leadgen.science.com
0: um when it goes live okay no fantastic fantastic eric let's uh let's zero in on the topic that you know you're, you're you've clearly built your expertise upon, and that's um, lead generation for B2B. So, you know, we we all know, and, and you know, you spoke about it in the past couple of minutes, there's there's still a lot of, like, the competition in this space is really intense. Um, there's a lot of B2B businesses out there that are still struggling with lead generation, and that's also due to various reasons. I mean, ranging from things like prospects being on multiple platforms, and then, you know, there's the copious amounts of data that marketers need to um, filter through. Uh but let's try to clear the air on something that I'm sure you've heard time and time again um, that, you know, terms that people are using or should I say misusing. So, uh, could you please highlight the difference uh, for us between uh, lead and demand generation?
1: Sure thing. So, the way I think of it is lead generation is taking kind of your brand out to a target audience, whereas mm-hmm. demand generation is putting out things like, content, uh, setting up the opportunity for basically demand for your brand and then watching people come to your front door. Basically the difference between inbound and outbound, in my opinion.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's, that, that, that's certainly, um, that certainly is a a very clear um, explanation because, you know, it's, it's obviously a topic that people are talking about a lot. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of like, um, uh, chatter and, um, and discussions on LinkedIn about it and people people going at lengths to explain the differences. So it's really great to have a very simplified um, explanation for it. Um, so, you know, Eric, like many companies, I mean, and yours is certainly no exception. You you started off the year with a plan or a strategy, uh, and that strategy was clearly going to be implemented. And then, bam, COVID happened. So, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and everything that followed in its wake, you know, um, but talk to us about some of the changes that you've seen um, in the B2B lead generation space. And I'm, I'm trying to look at this from a more, um, I, I could you could say, um, constructive perspective. So um, talk to us about some of those changes that you've seen and what these uh, mean, you know, for people in your field of expertise.
1: Sure. One of the biggest changes, I think, is, and I'll speak kind of through the lens of the marketer here, yep you know, for the benefit of your audience, which Mm -hmm. is COVID has taken off the board a bunch of tried and true marketing go-to-market or initiatives or programmatic activities, such Mm as anything related to network marketing, such as anything related to events, Mm -hmm. such as most marketing support functions of field sales efforts. Mm -hmm. Those just don't exist in 2020. Yeah. (laughs) And yep. it's debatable when in 2021 um those things come back to, and I'm doing air quotes right now, yep. some sense of normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what I would say from our industry is that, and and I don't know that we're <clears throat> that unique here at science, but we've seen mm-hmm. a massive uptake or uptick in mm-hmm. both demand and our lead generation efforts. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably a lot to do with the fact that people still need new revenue. People still need to move the needle, fill their pipelines, um, get business done,
0: mm-hmm.
1: from small startups all the way up to, you know, the the <clears throat> the upper crust of the for, Fortune 500. Oh yeah. And the way I guess COVID has changed a lot of that is okay if I've got marketing activities that are now off the board. I probably have budget resources, a market motion around those things that now need to go somewhere else. I mm-hmm. need to retranslate. And do I want to over-index or re-index or start to index on things that I wasn't doing before, like Outbound?
0: Yeah. Right. I'm
1: sure there's other areas of of kind of marketing that are also seeing a little bit of redoubling or a reinforcement effort. Um, but in our sliver of the world, in our purview, We've definitely seen a dramatic increase in people saying, "Hey, I want to start a, a lead generation program with you. I want to scale my current lead generation program. I want to oil in the tank and step on the gas."
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, those are some really um, interesting observations, Eric. Uh, you know, some so, some of them are not are not surprising, and others I would say, and and you know, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because you know, um, it's it, it's always been said that many aspects of B2B marketing are, well, let's just say that many B2B industries were very slow to adapt, right? So it took something like the pandemic uh, to get them to um, uh, pivot, um, to rapidly uh, digitize, if I may may use that expression. Um, And, you know, to your industry, for example, you know, when you were talking about the increase in demand for, you know, for lead generation solutions, it's probably also because of the fact that well, conferences and trade shows are well for the moment put on hold. Um, you can't meet people face to face, so they have to resort to online means in order to you know generate those those uh, those qualified leads.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Like our our industry is both as old as dirt and mm-hmm. even <laughs> business <laughs> selling itself. Yeah. As well, as as new as it gets when you think mm. about the introduction of hyper-targeting to companies and target audiences or contacts that would be really best fits, and then taking a, a fully integrated multi-channel approach to starting conversations with those <clears throat> target audience members. And so that's really the way that we like to think of it is we're blending kind of like the old, which is hey, reaching out on the phone, sending out you know a very curated, highly personalized email. Mm-hmm. Reaching out and connecting, and/or taking forward a sequence on LinkedIn, yeah. and then integrating kind of the web channel as well as advertising and other, um, you know, forward-looking technologies like like video and and um, sure and chat mm-hmm. and texting for that matter mm-hmm. into the approach in a sophisticated way that both values the persona that we're reaching out to on beh- on behalf of a, an organization, our client right. at least, <clears throat> and at the same time has some
0: aspects of scale built yeah. into it. Right, right. You, you know, you brought up so many interesting points and, uh, you, you know, a lot of them lead back to um, also, if I understood you correctly, like enhanced um, technology. So I'd be curious to know, because I think we had this um discussion in our previous conversation, but clearly, um you know, um, things like artificial intelligence, I mean, they clearly play, a, a, you know, a significant role in, in, in your field, don't they? They sure do.
1: And it's only going to become more so. I like to think of a lot of the the AI technologies, including the ones that we use, as mm-hmm. really being not replacements for humans, but yeah. almost like prosthetics, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes human or mental based prosthetics that will help yeah. us, you know, actually be more human in many cases, help us do our yeah. job better uh, right. going forward. And, and and really, that's what it comes down to. And leveraging, you know, kind of the amount of data that we have at our disposal for each one of the outreach campaigns we run on behalf of every client,
0: <clears throat> to me is is a real opportunity. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And, and and I suppose it's also a, a matter of like you know the AI helping you um, in your business to scale more efficiently, too, right? It is. Yeah. It is, especially on the research side for us
1: you know determining who you should be targeting or talking to yes is not a discussion for you know just kind of thumb in the wind yeah talk to anybody or we could you know have a sales cycle um with virtually any company that's not a good use of
0: it's not strategic Hmm. and i think yeah No, it's probably not sustainable. Uh, I was going to say it was probably it's probably not sustainable for the long term either.
1: No, it's definitely not. And I mm-hmm. think that you know what's really interesting is that's probably one of the bigger trends that I see going forward is mm-hmm. more hyper targeting and not less. And I think that, that that change is is a welcome one from every
0: aspect of the value chain when you think about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um Talk to us about, and uh, you know, I, I think we had a we had a fun discussion about this last time. But um, like, talk to us about some of the top misconceptions that you've seen, um, you know, that people um have about lead generation and B two B.
1: Well, <laughs> there's a ton. Um, yeah. But my favorite is very counterintuitive, and I'm going to say it's my favorite because I'm a marketer, and I'm talking to you know your audience of marketers. Yes. One of the biggest misconceptions about lead gen and B two B is that what got you here will get you there. Right. (laughs) What I mean by that is that most marketers look at lead gen, they look at outbound as being Mm -hmm. yet another marketing activity where push is the name of the game. Right. We're talking about their brands, you know, features and benefits ad nauseum Mm -hmm. will get the job done because it. (laughs) And I got to tell you, like, you know, just putting it in the most simple context that I can, when you're reaching out cold to any prospect, the number one thing that that people have their guard up around and their antennas kind of like, or their filters, um, Mm. I'm picturing people with their arms up and in a very guarded stance, Yeah, is the push, 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 the me, 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 the Mm. I can't wait to tell you all the great things about my stuff.
0: Oh right, yes, of course.
1: And do it in a relentlessly um monotonous
0: fashion. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's 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 stuff that we see on um, for example, on LinkedIn on a daily basis, right? So <laughs> it's uh it's the cold outreach, it's the DMs, it's the uh, well, let me tell you about what I've got. <laughs> in store for you today. (laughs) That's exactly right. And, you know, I I want to cut us a little slack as marketers Mm -hmm. because
1: that's the kind of stuff that we do do on our website, yeah. Oftentimes in collateral, Mm -hmm. oftentimes in, you know, company overviews or the kinds of marketing materials that we are very used to producing, where if we didn't tell people about the features and benefits and make it all about us, we would actually be derelict in our duty. Yes. And not good at our jobs.
0: Oh, absolutely. But the
1: absolutely. difference is, is in lead generation scenarios, nobody cares
0: mm-hmm. yet.
1: And that's the big you know, kind of thing to get over with that misconception is yeah. there's a rhythm and a cadence and a flow mm-hmm. to any business relationship. Those that start cold are oftentimes best started with, you know, as Dale Carnegie said way back when... Mm-hmm. Interested is interesting, <laughs> right? Being interested yeah. in the prospects that, you know, people are reaching out to, yeah. having a reason for starting a conversation that's largely frayed, framed or kind of forged in the language of the prospect, the kind of authentic understanding of their problem space, their goals, their aspirations, yeah. their hopes, their dreams, their kind of shit they want to get done or their discomfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are really the areas where successful lead generation campaigns are born.
0: Wow, I mean that insight in itself, I think, was gold. <laughs> and I, um, you, you know, you brought up um, you brought up such an interesting point, which more often than not tends to be uh, well overlooked or dismissed. And it's this authentic understanding of the actual pain points or problems that the target audience is having versus um, you know this versus this laundry list of services features and benefits. <laughs> but um no I mean those those are all those, those are all really like super insights.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one of the most acute ways to understand this and we we have the luxury, I guess you could call it, although mm-hmm. what I do to describe as anything but luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> we have the luxury of looking through the lens at a lot of our different client companies' businesses. Yeah. And one of the things that I can tell you is that <clears throat> There's a probably a majority, actually, of our clients that operate in what I would call red ocean businesses. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's generally of the prospects in the target account or ideal customer profile list that we would be reaching out to, a very high probability that those prospects or those accounts are already using a product or service or a solution very similar to the one we're reaching out on behalf of. Right. So if you think about it, and this is why it's so acute, uh-huh. conversation that starts me, 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 very vendor centric, telling you all about the features and benefits of something that frankly is a base you've already got covered, leaves mm-hmm. very little oxygen or, or room to move. In fact, mm-hmm. the number one objections with most of those campaigns are, yeah, already already got this cover <laughs> yeah thanks yeah. we're good mm. and so not anticipating that objection first out of the gate
0: mm-hmm.
1: is actually like a lot of wasted effort yeah so instead what we find is the ability to open up a conversation first by exploring the pain of the space the pain of the incumbent right like pop quiz. How often is it that your product or tools or services or solutions that you're currently using in your day to day, you are such a raving fan of that you would like only part with them upon the cold kiss of death? <laughs> Very few, right? Right. Very few um, products <laughs> or services or solutions rise to that level of
0: loyalty. <laughs> yeah. No, indeed. Indeed. And, and you know, and, um, uh, i'm I'm glad you um I'm glad you um uh, explained that a bit more because uh, you know that that would have been my next question because, like you know, seeing that you're obviously in an extremely competitive space, I mean, you know what 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 steps uh, do you guys take, um, you know, with prospects to you know stand out from the crowd, so to speak, right? So.
1: Well, I think it's really important to start the conversation around even learning where to differentiate mm. yes. so you know here's here's the interesting thing, like, And I I, I may get in a lot of hot water going down this path. (laughs) We shall see. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe it's helpful to think about things in terms of a relationship, right? Right. Like if if you've ever wanted to get into a relationship with somebody Mm -hmm. uh, that's already in a relationship, you know, that first relationship has to either fizzle or become in the eyes of the target of your affection. Less important, less dynamic, less than mm-hmm. before the the guard drops, and you know, and the entry point is actually achievable. Not, it's really not that much different in in kind of B two B again, product or or services sales. Mm-hmm. And yet, for so often, and and this is the most common kind of like trap to get into. Mm-hmm. We, we don't think about that sequencing. We don't think about. Hey, how am I going to push the incumbent out of, out of favor in order to start the conversation in a right, in the right place? Mm-hmm. You know, cause here's the other thing. When you do get to points of dissatisfaction with a current scenario, a product that's not measuring up a service right. provider, that's not giving you what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Something that doesn't quite work the way you thought it did. Yeah the immediate response, if you can get to that place, is actually always almost the exact same thing. Oh, well, what could you do better? Mm-hmm. How would you solve that problem?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What have yeah. you got to offer? And that's the exact right conversation that you want to be in to start a sales cycle going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. Wow. My friend, you know, with that comparison, I think you you certainly rocked the boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I said, a little hot water there.
0: Yeah, no, but it's such an apt, um, you know, or, or such an appropriate analogy, though. And 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 I think on so many levels, um, I think the listeners will be able to, like, you know, um, uh, relate, <laughs> for lack of a better description, or under or understand the scenario. Um, that's a, that's definitely a, a very interesting way of um, putting it.
1: Very human too. And and the other thing that I think about, you know, buyers don't suddenly check their brains at the door um, with behaviors that are deeply ingrained and dare I even say evolutionary in in how we access the world. Uh You know, it's not like all of a sudden we become Spock in the workplace. We're still governed by, you know, all of the same kind of forces. And I, I like to even think of this as the kind of stuff you learn in in Marketing 101 classes, which is, you know, yeah. look, the ADA model is actually really representative and very kind of meaningful. Mm. Attention, interest, desire, action. Largely because yep. the human brain processes information. Yep. Can't start with desire. <laughs> Can't move nope. to action if you have it, unless you've got interest and awareness. All right. right. And so how do you kind of move through those four states to an action that you want someone to take? That's the whole, you know, real point of any. B2B lead generation campaign, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, walk us through um, you know, how you and your team manage uh, clients' expectations when it comes to B2B lead gen. So you know, how should they think about lead gen for their particular area of expertise?
1: One of my favorite things that we do here at Science and that I, I actually think is a pretty darn handy lens for thinking about any motion that you're going to take from a go-to-market standpoint is to have that kind of super boring, super well, like, or overused ROI discussion, right? Return on investment. Correct. And the reason why I think it's still valid and still holds weight and hasn't lost any of its luster in 2020 um, and beyond, I don't think it'll go the way the dodo or the square wheel, is the fact that, and this is especially true for our business, Outbound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's especially true because Outbound is 100% attributable. In other words, when we're setting appointments or qualified meetings on behalf of a given client that engages science, yeah. no one ever wonders where that meeting came from. No one ever like debates the attribution model of like, <laughs> like yeah. what started this ball rolling. Um, right because we have 100% attribution, we then can also say, okay, well, the monthly price for science is X
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and number of conversations started or appointments delivered is Y. And so we have a very linear equation. Of course, we're going to hold constant for a bunch of known knowns or, or what we think to be true in a sales cycle be beyond our footprint. And those things look a lot like average contract value, you know, um, average close rate from a held discovery appointment or whatever we're calling that first discovery meeting that we're setting up, profit margin attached to um, whatever it is we're selling, and then sales cycle length. But once we have those kind of like variables in the mix, we can actually create a model that will give us an actual number that says, hey, a dollar invested in outbound, a dollar invested in science services, Returns us back a dollar fifty or three dollars or four or ten. And that is the lens that I think everyone that engages science should or that runs outbound campaigns should look at everything through. Yeah. Because then yeah. you can feel really good at the end of the day about where you're placing your spend, where you're placing your bets.
0: Sure. No, I mean, those are, those are uh, undoubtedly great um, insights. And I think, um, you know, because you've laid it out so beautifully. um, um, I I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that, like, I mean, that's where, you know, what you measure or you measure what matters, right? I mean, like, you know, I, I know there's a lot of discussion in the marketing world about like, yeah, well, you can't, you can't measure everything in marketing, but I mean, like certainly the way that you've broken it down right now, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. So yes, of course, then, then, um. Then, then it is important to have that ROI discussion because at the end of the day, you, you you've got to know what you're spending on too, right?
1: You absolutely do. And I also think of, it's easy to get distracted by the, you know, the light, the heat, the buzz of yeah. a lot of different shiny new objects. Again, B 2 b lead generation is a very simple equation. It's you deciding who to target as representative or what we like to call ideal customers and then it's all the motion that goes in to going direct to them, to start and open up sales conversations.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Eric, you brought some of the stuff up, like um, you know, earlier on in the piece. But you know, on the topic of future predictions, uh, what are your top three when it comes to B two B lead gen?
1: Well, I think hyper targeting is definitely kind of my number one. Largely because that's a prediction that I could have made the last ten years, and I still, mm-hmm. I still feel like there's enough kind of like ammo in that gun or powder yeah. yeah. left to
0: Just always the <laughs> Yeah,
1: always be forecasting that that's a prediction that that frankly needs to come true. In fact, I would even say this: that you know the people that were jumping on the ABM train, the account-based marketing train. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is only more true uh, for them, so it's kind of like ABM 2.0, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely.
1: I would say more of my predictions um, that also re- reference things that we we talked about a little earlier in the, in the in the pod here mm-hmm. <clears throat> would also be around how do I use the most modern of technologies to frankly get more human? Mm-hmm. How do I use AI to get to higher quality conversations yeah to learn more about kind of like again that pain space the personas that I'm talking to the language that that works best that's actually the province of what a lot of um AI will give you yeah and so that's not a hard prediction to make and and it kind of bleeds into like what I would say is prediction number three but it's mm-hmm. I don't know this is a mealy mouth one so forgive me <laughs> okay but I really do think that bringing the human back is kind of like um, where it's at, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, am a somewhat of a fan of the, <clears throat> the way that a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about the attention economy largely mm-hmm. because I believe that attention is scarce. It's a resource that, you know, is ultimately very fleeting and should be recognized as such. Right. And I think that what wins out in in an attention economy are the most human aspects of any of our marketing that we do, any of our sales, any of our kind of like, again, go to market motions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, those are, those are some awesome points. And, you know, obviously, like, you know, with point number three, bringing the human back, obviously, you're referring to things like, you know, as you've alluded to, um, you know adding a bit of a bit more of a personal touch or there's a there's some there's a touch of personalization in the in the outreach or the or the you know the interaction with customers something to that effect
1: yeah i think that that's exactly right right and right. you know i'll even add to that with one little uh, vignette that also comes full circle if you think about like the fact that we've gone a year for the most part without yeah. any kind of events Mm. At the end of the day, like what was everyone kind of like all synced to the same story on when it came to events? Mm -hmm. We all were pretty much like starved for a reason to get into the same place at the same time so that I can have these kind of like me to you face to face conversations. Mm -hmm. That's what most events are really good at is bringing people together to have a very human experience. Right. Now that we've been kind of apart for you know the better part of a year, and it'll probably go on to you know being longer than a year when all mm-hmm. is said and done. Yeah, I actually think that there's probably going to be this very strong human reaction towards wanting a lot of that back, yeah. wanting to connect, wanting to like you know just talk, wanting to like get face to face and 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 just learn. You know, from other people. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, especially sales gets a bad rap a lot of times. But this is one of those things that I I just think is going to be really almost next to impossible to strip out of Mm -hmm. the human condition. We're not moving to a transactional world for every type of sale ever tomorrow. It's just not going to happen.
0: No, No. especially not in B2B.
1: (laughs) No, and we need people. And so I actually am very, so I guess this is prediction 3A or or maybe prediction 4. Yeah. And maybe it's not a prediction at all, because I'm, I'm just very anxious to see, like, what kinds of reformatted norms do we come to? Where do, you know, we look to find that connection going forward? Some tied to buying experiences, some tied to professional development experiences, others tied to well we used to have an industry convention once a year in March in Las Vegas but now we don't like Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: What does it look like going forward? Yeah. Do do you suppose that it's um, um going to be something of a like a hybrid model or a, a, I don't know like there's another term for it too like you know they they keep using this uh, like fidgetal, so it's like the physical mm. and the digital aspect of it.
1: I, I suppose the answer is an unquestioned yes, largely mm-hmm. because we're already kind of there. Yeah. I don't know anyone that doesn't have Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Nowadays, <laughs> um, yeah. it is Absolutely. the new normal that everything's virtual, especially in the knowledge working space. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little less so in, in some of the <clears throat> older line industries that you know still require kind of like the making of stuff. Sure, Um, but I do believe that again, there's going to be some kind of like new reformations, new recalibrations, new ways that we're going to just find to spend our time Mm -hmm. going
0: forward. Right, right. No, exactly. Um, Eric, uh, you know we've reached the uh, I would say one of my the favorite parts, uh, my my favorite part at least uh, of the interview. there's there's this thing, you know, you can call it what you want, like conventional wisdom, commonly held beliefs. And, you know, without a doubt, um, lead gen for B2B is no exception, right? So talk to us about one of these commonly held beliefs um, in your area of expertise that you strongly disagree with and why. One of the commonly held beliefs, especially in outbound or sales
1: development circles, is that more is always better. More, more, more. More, more, more pounding the rock. Hey, you need to make more calls.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, you need to send more emails. Yeah. You need to do more of any anything. Um that commonly held belief is one that is really frustrating, especially if more is attached to a lack of success, a lack Mm -hmm. of provable conversion rate, like formulas. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I don't have my messaging right. If I'm not good at landing appointments, doing more what I'm bad at is actually it, it's super super bad. It just yeah no, yeah clearly. <laughs> um, and that commonly held belief is um, it's one I see very 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 much all over the place. Mm-hmm. Largely because people just assume that if you do more of anything, you're going to get better results on the other side.
0: Right. So it's the numbers game, the theory of probability. If I if I hit up like 5,000 companies, I'm going to get like 200 appointments, something to that effect. Yeah. And I I don't think that
1: that's right. I think that there is a certain case to be made that says with any marketing activity you do, and Outbound's no different, Yeah. you have a hypothesis of why something's going to work and maybe even kind of a, a rate, if you will, attached yeah. to that hypothesis. Right. You need to relentlessly test. And when the, those tests come back and they reveal that, you know, kind of, I don't have it right. Mm-hmm. I don't have the right formula. I'm not getting the responses um, that are even remotely close to the hypothesis that I put forward. Mm-hmm. Doing more without changing the formulation is really a bad idea.
0: Right. No, that's um no, that's uh, that's that's definitely um that's definitely true. And um, so what would you say um, what would you say would be the uh, well, uh let's not call it a remedy. Let let's say what what would be the the better approach instead of playing the numbers game. I mean, would would it be better to like um you know have a more uh, well thought out strategy with a clear understanding of the uh, the target audience, and then you have better messaging, and then you do this like um. Like I think what would you said earlier, like just you know you um you test and you adjust as you go along. That's exactly right. And, right. and that's exactly
1: what I would recommend. You know, everyone's in search of scale mm-hmm. And yet premature scaling is probably one of the biggest problems that exists in most sales and marketing teams the the world over mm-hmm. right. It's much different. When you scale something with known proof points, known kind of like market motions, known messaging or playbooks, Mm -hmm. it's another thing when you're still trying to find that signal, when you're still searching, um, whether it's a new target audience, a new product, a new service, a new way of um, going to market, new title clusters that you're going after. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things are variables that matter actually a lot Mm -hmm. in the success formula. And if you don't take them into account in kind of like small batches with the ability to kind of read and react relatively quickly. Now, one of the things that I always also advise is any kind of market motion that you take, you should always be working your way towards statistical significance, right? Yeah. So if you're going to trap data down on, on those activities or tasks <clears throat> performed, you definitely also want to have the ability to measure results And those measurements should guide your decisions going forward. So data-driven decision-making does apply here. And so you should also figure out for any experiment, what's my relevant like sample size that I need to attack um, so that I can have a meaningful measurement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is the kind of stuff that I think a lot of the growth marketers out there, a lot of the people that kind of live and die by numbers (laughs) reach into the choir. Yeah. So ultimately, I think that those ingredients are really the, you know, getting back
0: to your question, exactly what I would advise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So on that note, um, name one thing that you think people should start and one thing that people should stop doing when it comes to lead gen for B2B. Well, I, I think stop
1: doing would be this idea of casting the widest net possible. Right. You know, picking up a phone in, in the old days, picking up a phone book starting with A and ending oh, with yeah. Z, or you know, going to my data subscription provider and kind of pulling the largest list I can get my hands on or buying mm. a list that's unbelievably yeah. large is a is again a really bad idea for twenty seven different reasons that I don't have the time and I don't know if I want to bore your <laughs> list.
0: <around it. laughs> well, and it's an archaic approach, right? So it's totally archaic.
1: Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the phrase measure twice, cut once, I mean, I might even put it into a slightly different context, which is, mm-hmm. Hey, things that B2B marketers should start doing is, you know, measuring five times and yeah. getting really clear on that hypothesis that you're going to test
0: mm.
1: and then cutting once.
0: Yeah. 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 No, oh, that, that's incredible. Um, Eric, this has been such an. Insightful and engaging session. Um, you know, I I hope the listeners were taking notes as you were talking because I know I was. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, I've, I've I've learned some new things again. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, what's the best way for people out there to connect with you, especially if they want to talk to you about Legion?
1: Yeah, luckily I have a, a pretty. I guess somewhat unique last name, and there's not too many Eric Quanstroms in the world, so you right. can easily find me on on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, w- without too much effort. You can also find me at Eric with the C at Science without the S <laughs> dot com <laughs> for anyone that wants to come direct. Um, I get plenty of of uh, outreach in my own inbox, having mm-hmm. been on the buy side for quite a number of years, and I and I. Frankly, you know, what the hell, I'll put it out there. I welcome um, the really well-written, highly personalized, and hyper-targeted approaches. Mm-hmm. That finally-
0: <laughs> Just to drive that point home, and that's always important. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. No, Eric, this is, um, as I said, the session was outstanding on so many levels. So thanks again for your time. Um, take care. Uh, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye My for problem. now. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Imblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.